on live on Facebook Live. Uh, first of all, I want to say thank you to the Sharon Cheney and the praise team this morning for the beautiful prelude. And I do have a couple announcements before we start our service. 
The Bible study on prophecy in the Bible resumes today over in the Ministry Center following our worship service this morning. And this Thursday night is Trunk or Treat. You're invited to come hand out candy to the kids in the church parking lot from 6 to 7.30. At this time, Aaron Rohrball has an announcement for you. Good morning. I'd like to invite Pastor Joel and Pastor Tori forward for a moment. October is Pastor Appreciation Month, and I think we'd all agree we are truly blessed at First Church to have two wonderful leaders in Pastor Joel and Pastor Tori. So with appreciation for your ministry, we pray for your guidance for the path your feet will follow daily. We pray for your wisdom for the counsel you are asked to give. We pray for your compassion for those you are called upon to help. We pray for your strength to stand for what is true and right, even when there is opposition. We pray for your courage to press on even when things seem routine. We pray for your perseverance to follow the desires God has placed in your heart, even when you doubt. We give you support for your leadership. We give you appreciation for your calling and your gifts. And we give you thanks for the person you are in Christ. And may God richly bless each of you both. On behalf of Spiritual Council, Consistory, and the congregation, it's my privilege to present to you a token of our appreciation. Thank you again for your faithfulness and ministry to the First Church family. To start our service this morning, those who are able, would you please rise and join me in our call to worship. This morning is taken from Psalm 15. Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent? Who may live on your holy mountain? The one whose walk is blameless, who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from their heart, whose tongue utters no slander, who does no wrong to a neighbor, and casts no slur on others, who despises a vile person, but honors those who fear the Lord who keeps an oath even when it hurts and does not change your mind, who lends money to the poor without interest, who does not accept a bribe against the innocent. Whoever does these things will never be shaken. Please remain standing for opening hymn number 26, A Mighty Fortress is Our God.
be seated. Now as the children come forward for the children chat with Shelby Orbo. Good morning. How are you guys all today? Good. Today we're going to be talking about lies. We recently talked about lies a little bit ago. Remember my icky sticky lies? Yeah. We have the chocolate syrup. Today I got an apple. Um, What is a lie? What's a lie? When you say something happened and it really didn't happen. Yes, that is true. Is it good or is it bad to lie? Is it good or is it bad? When I tell a lie, am I doing something good or am I doing something bad? Bad. If it's bad and we know in our heart it's bad, why do we lie? Why do you guys say... If something slips out of my head and mom and dad say, did you clean up your room? And I'm like, yes. But if my mom or my dad walks in my room and it's all a mess still, what just happened? I lied. Why did I lie? Courtney? Because you didn't want to do it. Maybe you didn't want to get in trouble. You don't want to face the consequences. Maybe you don't want to get in trouble. You don't want to get in timeout or anything. So you're like, yeah, I, I picked up my toys, hoping mom or dad won't walk in. What's up with this apple? Can you tell me about this apple? It has apple seeds in it. What about the, look at this apple. What's so neat about this apple? It's red and it's yellow. Okay. Is it shiny? Yeah. Yeah. Is it all in one piece? Yeah. Yeah. Does it have a stem like an apple should? Yeah. Yeah. What about this side of the apple? What's up with this side of the apple? Somebody bit into it. it. Does it look pretty? Is it red and yellow? No. What color is it? White-ish because it's the inside, but it's not a pure white like an apple would normally be when you bite into it. It's kind of rotten. It browned. So somebody bit into it. I bit into it. And when you bite into an apple and you leave it sit out overnight, it turns brown. But this is kind of like us. We don't mean to tell a lie. But sometimes we lie, and it starts to not look so good. We start to not look so good. If I tell a lie to my friend Courtney, and she finds out that I lied, am I going to be friends with Courtney for very long? Maybe, maybe not. It depends. It depends on how big your lie is or how many lies you tell to somebody and they start not believing you because you start looking like a rotten apple instead of a pretty shiny apple. 
You know what? God, though, because he died on this cross, even though we lie, we ask for his forgiveness. And he is the only one who can make us whole and can make us look like this side of the apple. He makes us shiny. He makes us new. He takes all of the bad and he forgives it because he loves us and he died for us. And he just wants us to know that we tell the truth. And when we tell the truth by praying to him and asking for forgiveness, he's the only one who can make us look like this good apple. So let's go ahead and pray, okay? Dear Lord, help us control our tongues and our minds when we're tempted to come to tell a lie. Prompt our minds and our hearts to pray for wisdom in those moments. We love you, and we want to honor you always. Amen. And thank you. I just want to take a moment and just say thank you to you, uh, to the church, to Consist 3, to Spiritual Council for the gift. We very much appreciate it. And I know I can probably speak for Pastor Tori as well. We're very blessed and, and to be able to serve here in, at First Church. And uh, we definitely consider it an honor and a privilege to, to be a part of this church family. So thank you very much for, for the gift and for recognizing us on Pastor Appreciation Month. Uh, I do want to bring a few other things to your attention here this morning as well before we go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, today is Reformation Sunday. Notice the change in the altar cloths. It's, it's the red color to, to honor uh, that day. Uh, a long, long time ago, over 500 years ago, uh, when Martin Luther first nailed his 95 theses to the church door in Wittenberg, Germany. Uh, we are uh, part of that. That is what we consider part of our heritage uh, as a Protestant church when we, when we trace our lineage back to that day. And so we, we remember that day. We remember uh, what it means to be uh, a reformer. And I just want to take a moment and just acknowledge that and, and ask that God would always continue to, to challenge us and, and always bring us back to the truth. Because that's, that was a big part of the Reformation is being back to the truth in Scripture and, and the ideas of sola scriptura, of, of Scripture being our number one authority in life and faith and practice. And, and so uh, the Reformation isn't something that just happened 500 years ago. It's something that continues to happen in our hearts and in our minds every time we go to the Lord, every time we pray, every time we read Scripture. We ask that God would continue to reform us, reform our thinking, reform our hearts so that it is more and more in line with Him and His Word it is more and more reflecting Christ, uh, Christ's glory and Christ's goodness in our lives. And so it's not something we ever want to just uh, forget about. We never get to a point where we stop reforming and stop seeking Christ. But it's something that we continue to do each and every day as we pursue Christ in our own lives as individuals and as a church family. So uh, today is always a good reminder to keep reforming, keep seeking Christ, and keep uh, grounded firmly in the truth of his word. I also want to continue, um, uh, excuse me, to remind you that next Sunday is All Saints Sunday, and we'll also be serving communion once again. Uh, for those of you who were here with us last time we served communion, we'll be doing it the same way. We'll be serving communion at the altar, uh, and we'll be taking safety precautions to make sure we are doing that as safely and responsibly as possible. So I uh, invite you to join us for community next week. And as I said before, uh, if you are uncomfortable coming forward or unable to come forward, of course, you can remain in your seats and we'll serve communion in the pews as well. Let's take a moment and let's let's pray together. 
Father God, we thank you for, for Reformation Sunday. We thank you for reminders like this uh, throughout the year of all that you've done in your church throughout history, Lord, and what it means for us today. Help us to be a people that are always reforming, always seeking to know you better, always seeking to be grounded more firmly in your truth of, in the truth of your word and to live it out in a way that, that reflects Christ into a world that desperately needs to see your goodness and your mercy. Lord, help us to, to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. I thank you, Lord, that we are able to meet here this Sunday to worship you and to praise your name. Uh, we also think of those who are unable to be here with us, Lord, whether they are listening on the radio or watching on Facebook or, um, or maybe they are shut-ins in a nursing home or something along those lines, Lord. We think of those that are not able to be here with us this morning. Lord, they are still part of your church, part of your family, and we pray that you would meet them even now, Lord, and, and that your spirit would bless them too. Lord, we thank you that we are able to worship together as a church family, both physically in this space, but also uh, through those other means of technology, Lord. And, I, and it is your spirit that binds us all together. And so, Lord, whether we are, uh, whoever hears the sound of my voice this morning, Lord, I pray that you would help draw us together as a church family and help us to be united in you, Lord, as one body, as one family. Lord, we also pray for those that are in need of, of your guidance and your healing. We think of those that are listed in our bulletin this morning in our prayers and concerns list. Uh, we pray for each individual and each family that's represented there. We pray for, for healing where it's needed. We pray for provision where it's needed. And Lord, we also pray for wisdom and guidance where it's needed as well. We think especially this day of our of our nation, national, state, and local leaders, Lord, as we look forward to an election here in, in less than two weeks now, we pray for guidance and wisdom for us as a nation. Uh, we pray, Lord, that you would rise up leaders, Lord, uh, in, in all of the different levels of government and the different branches of government, Lord, and may they um, seek you and may they seek wisdom and guidance in all decisions that need to be made, especially, Lord, as it relates to this pandemic. We pray, Lord, that um, help us as your church to remember that no matter who wins, no matter the results of the election, Lord Jesus, you are still king and you are still on the throne no matter what. And that is the hope we have. Our hope is not in a uh, political parties or elected leaders. Our hope is in Christ and Christ alone and the, and the salvation that comes from knowing you. And Lord, your kingdom has no end, and we are thankful for that. We pray these things in Christ's name, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. At this time, I invite you, if you're able, to stand with us once again and sing our next praise song, Sea of Victory.
If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I invite you to open to the book of Proverbs. We'll be continuing our journey through uh, that book this morning. There'll be two separate scripture readings, one from Proverbs 17, verses 27 and 28, as well as Proverbs chapter 12, verse 22. So again, if you, I'd invite you to follow along with me in your Bibles. Uh, it's always great to have God's word open in front of you if you have that available uh, if you have your own Bibles, of course, it's always nice to, to highlight, jot down a note or two. So next time you're in the book of Proverbs, you can, can see what, what you learned or what God has shown you this time around. Um, I'd encourage maybe not write in the Pew Bibles if you're using one of those. But, uh, but feel free to follow along in a Bible. Or if you don't have a Bible in front of you, of course, the words are printed in your bulletin as well. So again, that's Proverbs chapter 17, verses 27 and 28. The one who has knowledge uses words with restraint. And whoever is understanding is even-tempered. Even fools are thought wise if they keep silent, and discerning if they hold their tongues. 
And then Proverbs chapter 12, verse 22. The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in people who are trustworthy. Let's pray this morning. Father God, again, we come to you to this day seeking your guidance and your wisdom as we study your word together. Lord, help these words to be true for us, Lord, that your word is truth. But help us to to take what we're talking about and reading this morning and apply it to our lives, Lord, and help us to live it out. Uh, not just when we're here in church, but every moment of every day. Lord, may you give me words to speak this morning, and may you open up our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Way back in my first sermon sermon of this series when I was talking about uh, Proverbs, I, I talked about how Proverbs are common throughout human history, not just unique to the Bible. And we've seen even, I even gave you some examples of a few modern Proverbs that were kind of familiar to you. And I want to share a couple more with you this morning. Uh, one of them was a tr- is variously attributed to either Abraham Lincoln or Mark Twain or a few others that I noticed in a quick Google search. Uh, but, it, but it's uh, whoever you want to attribute it to, the, the proverb goes like this. Better to remain silent and thought a fool than to speak and remove all doubt. Or maybe you can put it another way. Light travels faster than sound. That's why a person looks intelligent until they speak. Both of these quotes are built off that sentiment that is found in the book of Proverbs, chapter 17, verses 27 and 28 that I just read for you. That wise people are careful with their words, while fools don't think before they speak. And that's a, it's a common theme we'll see throughout Proverbs, and that's why actually today, if you have a Bible with you, I really do want to encourage you to have it out, because we're going to be jumping a lot through the book of Proverbs, because it does have a lot to say about how we use our words. Both these biblical proverbs and the more modern versions I just shared with you indicate something about the nature of communication itself. Right? Words are powerful, and how we use them reveals something about who we are. How we use our words matter. Right? And they, the words are important because not only do they communicate truth, it's the way that we, that we express what we think and what we feel and what we understand about the world around us, but they also say something about who we are as a person too. how we speak, how we communicate reveals something about our hearts and our minds. So it's not just what we say, but how we say it. That is important, too. And it's important for all aspects of life. It's, apl- it's applicable on a personal level, right? And how we relate to people, whether it's our friends, our family or our coworkers. It's applicable for us as a church, right? We must promote truth as a church and point people to Christ not turn them away from Christ through our speech and our conduct. Right? As a church, we carry a witness. We're either going to point people towards Christ or point people away from Him. And not only what we say, but how we say it communicates that. So it's true on a personal level. It's true for us as a church. And it's also true for us as a society and a nation. A society must be built on truth and integrity, not deception and a thirst for power. So how we use our words and the nature of truth are, are, are intricately linked, right? It's impossible to separate the two. We talk about one, right, how we communicate, how we use our words. We must talk about the other, that is truthfulness and falsehood and how those things relate to our, how we interact with others. I don't know if you've noticed, but we live in what, what has been deemed a post-truth culture. Have you guys heard that term before? 
It's actually Oxford Dictionary's word of the year back in 2016, post-truth. And let me give you the definition that they, they attach to that word. That objective facts are less influential in shaping public opinion than appeals to emotion and personal belief. In other words, we live in a culture where, where truth is secondary to how people feel or, or just their personal opinion and experience. And that's a very dangerous kind of position to be in because if truth is, is elevated, if there is an objective, absolute truth out there, it's, it's something common that we can all agree on. And it's a starting point for us in our relationships with other people, but also for us as a church and as a society, right? If there is an objective, foundational truth out there, it's something that we can all gather around and agree on and build upon. But in a post-truth culture, a post-truth society, that, that objective, absolute, external truth is no longer uh, either valid or just not important. What really matters is each individual person's perspective and emotions and experience. And when that becomes primary, it's almost impossible to have any real conversations that matter. It's almost impossible to come to any sort of a green point because every person is different and carries their own experiences and their own beliefs, right? And not all of those are necessarily good or true or valid, right? One of the key aspects of the Reformation, we're talking about Reformation Sunday today. One of the key aspects of the Reformation was that the, the re, um, uh, not What's the word I'm looking for? The, the recapturing the biblical truth of, of sin, right? Of, of, of our need for salvation through grace alone by faith or through faith alone by grace alone, right? That we can't earn our salvation because we are all, all by nature sinful people. We're born with it and then we, we live it out through our actions, our thoughts and our speech. And so we are by nature sinful people. And so uh, in a sense, in that sense, we are all to one degree or another broken, Right. That we we can't save ourselves, that there's something inside of us that that just isn't working right. And so we need God to redeem us and we need his Holy Spirit to transform us from the inside out. Uh, and that's that's important here. What I'm talking about, because and I, and I and I bring those two things together, because if truth is subjective, if it's all based on our own opinions, our own experience and our own preference, we're not all going to come to that from the same angle because we're all different and unique, but we're also not going to come at it um, right because of our sinful nature. Does that make sense? There's going to be things in us that just aren't right or aren't true, right? And we need to reconcile with those things. And we reconcile with those things through Christ, through his Holy Spirit, through the cross. And that's why we need him. We need that objective truth that's outside of us. Does that, does that make sense? Truth is objective. It's not determined by our time, our circumstances, or popular opinion. It's not governed by fake news or alternative facts. Truth is truth because God says it's true, and he is the God of all truth. So today we're going to be talking about two very important, very related things. Our words and how we use them, but also truthfulness, because those two things are so closely connected. So let's start by talking about the power of words and the, their potential and what they reveal about who we are. And to do that, I want you to look not just not at the book of Proverbs for a moment, but flip to the book of James in the New Testament. James chapter three, verses one through twelve, uh, excuse me, three through twelve. Talk about the power of our words. I'm going to read it for you beginning of verse three. When we put bits 
and in the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships, for example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water come from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Right, James is trying to communicate something very important and that our words are powerful. Right? They have an effect far greater in magnitude than we often think they should. And they can be used for both good and evil. Right, a bit that steers a horse or a rudder that steers a ship, our tongue can have a positive impact on a situation. A lot of good can be done by the words we speak, especially when we speak them in truth, right? A lot of good things can come out of our speech. But like a spark or small flame that grows out of control, our tongue can also produce major destruction, I have another proverb for you here, and one I know you all have heard, right? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, right? That is a lie. Right? There is no truth in that statement whatsoever. Oftentimes, it's, it's words that can be even more destructive or more harmful than any sort of physical, physical harm can be. Because our words can really, really damage a person's uh, really, really get to the heart or mind of a person. All right, words can be very powerful, and it can have a power. Our words can have a power, a powerful effect on other people. In Ephesians four twenty nine, again, it's Ephesians four twenty nine. Paul says, "Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen." Paul, some very important words here for us. Right, that we need to be careful about what we say and how we say it. We need, to be, we need to be intentional about building them up, building people up and not tearing them down. Right, Because our words can be so powerful, because they can have either a very powerful positive effect or ne- powerful negative effect, we need to be very careful and intentional about how we use our words. And so we need to make a commitment, whether it's to our children, to our spouse, or the stranger on Facebook to speak only in a way that builds people up and choose not to tear people down. All right, this, of course, doesn't excuse, um, excuse me, exclude constructive criticism. Sometimes the way that we build people up, right, sometimes the way that we truly help another person is by pointing them to the truth, helping them to see the error in their ways and, and pointing them in the right direction, right? Parents do that all the time with their kids. But we do so, we're supposed to do so in love, in a way that truly does build them up and not tear them down. So our words are very powerful, but they also reveal something about who we are. 
And Jesus speaks on this in Matthew chapter 15. Again, that's Matthew 15. We're going to look at verses 10 through 20. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen and understand, what goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of the mouth, that is what defiles them. Then the disciples came to him and asked, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? He replied, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them. They are blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. Peter said, Explain the parable to us. Are you still so dull? Jesus asked them. Don't you see that whoever, excuse me, whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body. But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart and these defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person. But eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. That last verse, I guess, has a whole new meaning in the time of COVID, right? Please wash your hands. That's not what this verse is saying. Um, but what Jesus is getting at here is, is the, the reality that our words say something about who we are, right? That, that the, what comes out of our mouth indicates what really is in our heart and in our mind. And so when we speak falsehood, it's coming from the falsehood, the lies that we believe in our heart, right? When we speak slander, when we, when we knock other people down, it's coming from our hearts and our minds. It says something about the condition of our heart. Again, words can be positive or negative, but they point to what's actually going on inside someone's heart. So take a moment right now and reflect. What do your words say about you? If someone had a tape recorder and was recording your conversations with your family, your friends, when you're at work, when you're alone in your car, right? what would those words say about who you are and what you believe to be true? Does it lift people up? Does it encourage others? Does it speak the truth? Or do you tear people down, twist and manipulate the truth to your own gain? Here's one for you. What does your Facebook profile say about you and who you are and what you believe? Do the posts that you share and how you interact with others glorify Christ and point people to the truth, or do they do something else? And so our words are powerful, and they say something about who we are. And so we need to then, now I want to take a moment and talk about truth, right? And, and, we, and to do that, we need to go to the source of truth. And the Bible is very clear about where truth comes from. God is described over and over again as the God of truth. All right, and not just the Father, but we see that for each member of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. For example, the Father in Psalm 108.4 says, For great is your love higher than the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. That word faithfulness is the word truth. Your truth reaches to the skies. Of course, Jesus is described as the truth in John 14.6. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. All right, think about that for a moment. The truth isn't described here as, as a list of, of facts or a body of knowledge. The truth is described as a person that we can know and have a relationship with. We can know the truth by knowing Jesus. And the Spirit in John sixteen thirteen is described as the Spirit of truth. Jesus says, when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. 
How does the Spirit guide us in the truth? How can we know the truth and know that we're grounded in the truth? Well, we know it because Scripture is our ultimate authority. In John 17, 17, Jesus, as he's praying for his disciples and praying for us, he says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. What does that word sanctify mean? It means to be to make holy. We are made holy when we are when we are in the truth, when we are in God's word. That is what makes us holy. And it begins with us, right? When we if we want to care about truth, if we want to care about integrity, it needs to begin with us. Right? We can't care about the integrity of someone else. We can't care about the, the truthfulness of someone else if we don't make it a priority in our own lives as well. And I alluded to this already, but especially in the Old Testament, truth and faithfulness are closely linked. What is true is reliable. It is solid. It is firm. It is dependable. It carries weight. It makes, it's something that makes for a solid foundation that can be built upon. It is faithful. As I said earlier, truth is an external uh, reality. It's an external standard that we conform to or not conform to, right? It's not, it's not an internal reality that changes from person to person or through different time periods, right? What's true for you is also true for me, right? If we don't have our own truths that we get to lay claim to. Truth is truth is truth. It is based on God's word, and he is the source of of all truth. It is modeled for, excuse me, it is modeled after God's innate truthfulness and his faithfulness. In other words, it is God's very nature and character to be true. He can't be otherwise. To be otherwise would go against his very being. Hebrews, excuse me, Hebrews 6.18 says that it is impossible for God to lie. So where does falsehood come from? Where do lies come from? They come from the enemy. Satan himself is the father of lies. We see that in John, uh, John chapter 40, John chapter 44. There's not that many chapters in John. John chapter 8, verse 44. Uh, he says, Jesus here is speaking to the Pharisees. And he says, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. For there is one, no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So the enemy doesn't have his own truth. He only twists, manipulates, and lies. Uh, and, and when he does so, it says he speaks his native language. In other words, he knows no, nothing else besides lies. And so God is the source of all truth, and the enemy is the source of all lies. So again, let me ask you to reflect for a moment. Who do your words point to? Do they reflect the truth and faithfulness of our Heavenly Father or do they reflect the deception and manipulation of the enemy? Does the way you use your words at work reflect the truth and faithfulness of Christ? Or how about with your spouse or your kids? Right, the fact of the matter is this. Our words will either point people to Christ or point people away from Him. They will either build people up or tear people down. And so we have a choice to use our words responsibly to point people in the right direction. So the time that we have left here, I want to give you some advice, give you some uh, advice on how to use words wisely, because truth matters. Our words matter. And so we must be wise in how we use them. And it's no surprise then that Proverbs has much to say about the how to use our words wisely and taken as a whole. Right. If we were to just 
if I was to just read a bunch of, of these Proverbs to you, just one after the other, right, it could be overwhelming to try to navigate all the bits of advice that are found in this book. Uh, but, but what I want to do is I want to I share a mnemonic device with you that might help you remember, retain uh, this advice that we find in the book of Proverbs. Now, I can't take credit for it myself. Uh, it's, it's found, it was found in a commentary by a man named Bruce Waltke. Uh, they say plagiarism is stealing from one person, but scholarship is stealing from many people. So I'll give my bit of advice here and, and, and credit my source. Uh, it's extraordinarily helpful, and so I want to pass it on to you. And the mnemonic device is this, gentle breath, gentle breath. And I'll explain what that means here. The first word gentle points to the fact that our words must not be harsh or quarrelsome. In Proverbs 15:1, it says a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. In other words, wise words should not be rash or abrasive. I'm sure you've spent time around someone that everything they said just rubbed you the wrong way. Everything they said was intentional or otherwise meant to uh, stir up trouble or harm, right? Uh, when we want to use our words, we want to use them with, with a gentle spirit. We want to be kind. We want to be careful with how we speak. Uh, notice here, Proverbs 51, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. How we respond, not just with what we say, but how we say it makes a very big difference. And so we want to be gentle with our words. And so now we want to look at the word breath. And breath, each letter is going to represent something else. It's kind of like a, an acrostic, if you will. So the first letter, B, means points to the fact that our words should not boast. A wise person does not brag. Proverbs 27, 1 through 2 says, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. Let someone else praise you, and not from your own mouth, an outsider, and not your own lips. Right? Humility is so important, and we see that theme running throughout Scripture. And, and so how we use our words, with how we use our words, it should also be humble. Right? An arrogant person is unable to see past themselves. They're the center of their own universe, and so their words will constantly puff up their own ego and draw attention to themselves. But a wise person is humble. They recognize that they are not the center of the universe, and so they use their words not to draw attention to themselves, Right, but to point away from themselves first to Christ, right, and then of course to to other people or other situations. In Luke chapter 14, Jesus tells a parable about how we should act and and, and how we should be humble. It's Luke 14, verses 7 through 11. When he noticed how the guests picked their places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come to say in you, give this person your seat. Then, humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you're invited, take the lowest place, so that when your host comes and he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you'll be honored in the presence of all the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Right? Again, think about your words. Do they, do they just draw attention to yourself all the time? Are you the center of your own universe? Or do your words point to Christ? Do your words point to others? Wise use of our words does not boast. Are and breath, our wise words should be restrained, restrained. A wise person knows when to hold their tongue. They're patient and they use their, they do not use their words carelessly. 
Proverbs 10.19 says, Sin is not ended by multiplying words, but the prudent hold their tongues. A wise person does not blurt out the first thing that comes to their mind. Right? We all know, we've been there before, we've said something before we've thought it, and we wish we could take those words back, but we just can't. That's especially true in our digital age, right? Whether we need to remember that the internet is forever, right? Whether it's a, a, a retweet or a Facebook post or an Instagram post, whatever we put out there, it just does not go away. Even when we delete it, it will still be out there. And so we need to be careful and wise and think before we post things like that. Proverbs 27, uh, or excuse me, uh, Proverbs 17, 27 through 28, the, the scripture passage that we read earlier, right, talks about uh, using words with restraint. Whoever has understanding is even tempered. So we need to remember to think before we speak. Ask ourselves, is what I'm about to say true? Is it helpful? Does it build up or does it tear down? Is what I'm about to say or retweet or share factual? It's amazing what a quick Google search will do and how you can, you can determine whether something is true or not and then choose whether or not you'll pass it along to others. Paul says in Philippians 4.8, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. You see, when we fill our minds with truth, it's truth that will come out. When we fill our minds with garbage, it's garbage that will come out. And so we need to be restrained, right? We need to be careful and thoughtful about how we, how we speak. But we all, that also goes with how we prepare ourselves, right? If we are constantly filling our minds with truth, it'll be more natural and easy for us to then speak and share truth with others. The E in breath refers to eavesdrop not. A wise person does not gossip. They keep promises. They do not betray the confidence of others. Proverbs 11, 12 through 13 says, Whoever derides their neighbor has no sense, but the one who has understanding holds their tongue. A gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps a secret. Have you ever been around a gossip? Someone who just always has something to say, usually negative about somebody else? I remember speaking with some per- somebody once and they, they talked about how they were, someone they worked with was always talking negatively about another coworker when that person wasn't around. And the first thing they thought of is, what are they saying about me when I'm not around, right? When we gossip, when we talk bad about others, it has a very negative impact on our relationships. And it's just a very, it's the wrong thing to do. The A in breath refers to apt. Our speech should be timely. We know not just when to hold back, but when to offer a wise word as well. We all know people who are quiet, but when they speak, everyone should listen. Proverbs 15.2 says, The tongue of the wise adorns knowledge, but the mouth of the fool gushes folly. A wise person knows when to speak up and knows when to hold their tongue. The silence of a wise person can be just as powerful as the words they speak. The T in breath refers to thoughtful. Wise words are weighed carefully. We think before we speak. We need to consider our words and the implications that our words have before we say them. Proverbs 15.28 says, The heart of the righteous weighs its answers, but the mouth of the wicked gushes evil. Consider, too, how your words and actions reflect on others. 
right? I'm fully aware that as the pastor of First Church of New Knoxville, that when I speak, whether it's on the pulpit, whether it's on Facebook, or whether it's at a table at Main Street, right, the words that I say, the, action, the, the actions that I take reflect on this church as a whole because I am the pastor here. And that's something we just can't escape. But the same is true for us and our families and our jobs and other groups that we may belong to. What we say and what we think and what we do also reflects on those groups. So we need to consider how we act and what we say has an impact on others. In the last part of this mnemonic device, gentle breath, the H stands for honest. Honest. A wise person is truthful. They don't manipulate facts to their own advantage, and they stand on the truth and are not ashamed of it. Proverbs 8, 7 says, My mouth speaks what is true, for my lips detest wickedness. And again, Proverbs 12:22 from our reading earlier, The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in people who are trustworthy. Right, there's a whole lot of reasons we should be about the truth and we should push back against falsehood. But I want to share one really important one with you today. And that is, um, excuse me, that, our false, that falsehood, when we tell lies, when we manipulate the truth, it destroys our witness as Christians. Whether that's on social media, whether that's in person, if, if in one moment a lie is coming out of our mouth and the next moment we're telling people how much they need Christ in their lives, how are they going to believe us when we have something important like that to say? So whether it's sharing outrageous conspiracy theories on Facebook, whether it's just being outright mean and rude and angry, right? When we do things that are dishonoring God, when we, when we do things that are filled with and riddled with lies and manipulations, it destroys our witness as Christians, Because people aren't going to believe us about the truth of God's word. People aren't going to believe us about the need for Christ in their lives if we are not being truthful in other areas of our life as well. And so think about that. Think about what you, the words you use and what you say and how they need to be grounded in the truth or else why are people going to believe us? Think of the boy who cried wolf, right? This, this common, common folktale, this parable. Right, the boy who just constantly cried wolf over and over and over again to the point that people stopped paying attention to him. But what happened when the wolf actually did come? Right? The danger was actually at the door and nobody believed what he had to say because he was known as a liar who manipulated the truth. Let us be people of truth. As Christians, let us ground ourselves in the truth of God's word in a relationship with Jesus Christ and let's point people to that. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for the truth of your word. And I thank you, Lord, that you call us to use our words wisely. Lord, help us to, to speak truth. Help us to be grounded in your truth. And not only speak it, but also live it out. And help us to communicate in a, well, in a way that points people ultimately to you. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. As we close our service today, let's stand and let's sing together. Pray song, my worth is not in what I own.
Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. You may go in peace. Amen.